reaping what we sow also right so so those are things to uh, to consider but uh, you know God providing mercy to us in, in certain situations I, I know that there are times where we can go wow I'm really God great God was merciful in this situation uh, you know, that could have turned out much worse uh, if I would have really gotten you know what I what I had deserved or what, whatever the situation may have been but the mercies of God when we think back of how merciful he is in not giving us what we do deserve um, is uh, a great song to sing just by itself, singing of God's mercy. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Um, we can do a lot of harm with our mouth, can't we? Yeah, we can do a lot of things that would tear down even another the people in another generation, in our own generation, mine, the Gen X generation, uh, you know, we, we could uh, easily, I, I mean, I, I would see it, you know, right at school. You know, there'd just be things that are happening, things that are said, and you're like, man, how would I deal with that? You know, I didn't, I thankfully wasn't um, the, the recipient of much. I had a lot of friends that were, uh, I, I did football and wrestling, so a lot of my friends were, you know, uh, kind of the rougher crowd, and um, I was, you know, friends with them. So I didn't really have to be the, the, the guy that they were picking on. Right. And, uh, but man, I, I, I had, uh, I had witnessed some, some pretty, pretty rough stuff, you know, when things are said of somebody, you know, the things that we can do with our mouth, you know, where James tells us if we can tame our tongue, we've got it. <laughs> like if you've got to the point where you can contain our tongue, but what he's saying is that the tongue sets on fire Forest fires is what he's what he's saying there. You know, you can you can control a horse with with a bridle in its mouth, right? With a bit in its mouth, you can, or or a big ship, you can steer it. Uh, just the, the the little things that can do so much, and then we consider what can what damage our tongue can do. But what what the psalmist is saying here is that with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And uh, you know that what a, what an impact, what a what a way to. Um, you know, positive impact, you know, the generations uh, that are coming by making known God's faithfulness, where we can share that just in normal conversation. It doesn't have to be on the corner of, of a street with a megaphone. What usually is the perception of the person on the street with megaphone? We're usually like, that dude, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing this, right? Um, when I was in New Orleans, I've shared this before, um, I was in New Orleans uh, for a work trip, and I was down there for, I was only a week. I didn't like it at all. It was, it, I just didn't like it. And I won't offend anybody from New Orleans, but I don't like the scene. I just didn't care for it. Someone's like, Bourbon Street's right there. I'm like, great. It smells like pee. It smells like urine and vomit. I don't want anything to do with it. Right? You know, I walk into CVS to buy some, buy some water and I'm watching people get arrested. I'm like, in a convenience store. You know, and it was just like every day, come on, let's go. You know, I, I just didn't care for it. But I, I was going to, uh, I think we were going to dinner once. And uh, I see this guy and he's preaching on the side of the corner. He's got a sandwich board that just says something. And he's just standing there. there and uh, and I'm, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I'll just, I'll just say, hey, brother, you know, uh, I'm glad to see you doing this. He wouldn't even look at me. He's just barking at people and he's not expecting anybody to actually start a conversation with him. He just thinks that his job is to be the one that's calling everybody repentance, but not explain anything other than that. You know, so it was a really, that was really weird. Another time when uh, I think I was, uh, yeah, I was in Denver. 
Um, and I, I talked to you about this one too, uh, the outdoor mall, 16th or 17th street. That's, that's there. And I remember this guy, I'm, I'm on 16th street, 16th street, uh, you know, mall Avenue. It's February and it's like 70 degrees. It's not what I expected. You know, they just had like, we have our thaw here. Um, and I, I'm talking to Jen, Jen's back home, snowed in, there's no power. And, uh, she was like 35 weeks pregnant with, I think Ashley at the time. And, um, so this is 18 years ago. You know, this is quite a while ago. And uh, maybe it was Natalie. I don't know. She's pregnant. She's great with child, right? And uh, and uh, and sorry, ladies, I wasn't trying to be rude. <laughs> but, but she was, as the Bible says, great with child, right? And I'm talking to her, and I'm sitting outside eating my burger or whatever, and I'm calling back home. Jen's like, yeah, we don't have any power. We're snowed in, so we have no heat and everything. But I knew my dad and, and my brother were going over to dig her out, and, and uh, I think uh, she went over to my dad's or brother's house and uh, with the kids or with one kid, whatever it was, and took them over there. But, you know, I'm, I'm out there, and I'm walking on this street. And I see this guy, and he's a big dude. He's an intimidating dude, you know. Uh, not like muscle-wise. He's just built like a, a big guy. And he's his arms his arms kind of bent out a little bit. And he's like screaming down the street, Repent! Repent! And he's just like walking towards people. I'm like, oh my goodness, man. This guy does not have the most effective ministry. If his ministry is to scare people, he's got it, right? But he's, he's not explaining what, re, when people hear repent, most of, you know, with our biblically illiterate uh, nation right now, everybody's like, what does that mean? You know, and he's just screaming down the, down the road and just scaring everybody, intimidating me. And I'm like, I think he's a Christian, either that or he's on some really good drugs. And that's the word he heard, you know, from somebody else. I don't know, but he's running down the road screaming it. But then we would sing of God's faithfulness to, uh, to all generations is, is what he's saying here. Uh, you know, all generations need God. All generations need Jesus Christ. Uh, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zers, the Gen whatever comes after that, because they're at the Z. Do they go back to Alpha something? Sure, I, whatever you know. Uh, but we we all we all need to hear this, right? Jesus Christ's message is is as effective um, in somebody else's life that maybe is ten years old uh, as it is in somebody uh, talking with Jason, ninety six years old with his grandmother. You know. You know, we, we think of, of, of the message of Christ is beautiful all through all ages, that his faithfulness, that we can tell of Jesus Christ through uh, all, all generations. So God's faithfulness and his mercy um, can be spoken of uh, every single day. It's, it's never not uh, sufficient. It's never not relevant. Uh, it's, we can speak of it to, to anyone at any time. Verse <clears throat> verse. Verses 3 and 4 are speaking of when God made a covenant uh, with David. And uh, you, will, if you want to do some further research, you can go back to 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Corinthians 17. So David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. Uh, and David, uh, so you guys probably remember the story. And, and Nathan's like, yeah, that sounds like Nathan's a prophet. And immediately he's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, that, that'd be a great thing to do. And then the Lord visits Nathan saying, hey, you spoke a little bit too early, Nathan. You need to go back and tell David that, hey, uh, that's, that's a great blessing, but your hands are way too bloody. <laughs> you've, you, you've been in way too many wars. Your son is going to 
um, going to build a temple. And matter of fact, is from your bloodline, there will always be somebody on the throne. Now, us as Christians, we can look and understand that that even included all the way up to and even now with Jesus Christ being on the throne. When we understand what that truly meant, right? Yes. Even in when you can read in Chronicles, right? Uh, when you read in Second Chronicles and you're kind of seeing uh, the focus on Judah and its kings, right? And, and then you'll see, you know, this one uh, rose up and, and did evil in the sight of the Lord and died and everything. And, and what you'll see, though, is that they're of the lineage of David, right? And it's even mentioned that because God uh, made the promise to David, the throne uh, line still ran through the bloodline of David. And when you get to the end of Second Chronicles, you'll get to some of the kings that, like, as you're reading it, you're like, yes, you know, you see what Hezekiah did and what Josiah did in the restorations of worship. And, and so much so that even in, in Josiah's day, uh, when Passover came, they're like providing lambs to people, sheep to people. They're like, you need a sheep? Yep, we got one right here. It was like government provision of, of these sheep so that they could obey uh, the Passover, that they could have them. Uh, because they were they were told uh, to to have them between them and their families and those things. So like they're, all this stuff's being provided for them, and and uh, these people are getting their own their own sheep, their own lambs, and uh, that that Josiah was so set that everybody needed to take part in this. What do you need to take part in worship? Here we're going to provide it. We just want you to be taking part in worship in the Lord. That's of the lineage of David. Right. And then we see some of their sons like there would be great victory in them. And then here comes their son right after that. And they reigned for like three months and they did evil inside the Lord and died, you know. But when we see things like what Hezekiah did and what Josiah did, uh, there were some some great things there uh, to be able to see that, that you know, the Lord blessed them uh, and others didn't experience the blessings of the Lord like they should have been able to. Uh, and because they chose to do what was wrong in the sight of the Lord and follow uh, after the gods that Israel and all the, the, the nations that, that God had. Uh, so when I say Israel, the northern tribes that were still in rebellion to the Lord, when they were still uh, in rebellion to the Lord, they'd be like, oh, hey, we're going to make deals with them and everything. And then they'd fall into idolatry and then uh, or they just start falling into idolatry of uh, the nations that were there before, right? There's this, these, these, this chaos that's happening as a result of them uh, just uh, doing what they want to do. But verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. So we know that David wasn't perfect. He had some big sins affiliated with his life, didn't he? Murder. <laughs> adultery, lying, you know, there's, there's a lot there, um, in David, but, but David's heart didn't depart from the Lord. He had, those are really big moments of failure, but his heart hadn't, hadn't departed from the Lord and turned to idolatry. Uh, and uh, the, you know, the Lord still used him and the Lord still, when you consider David, look at the flag, the star of David, right. Is right on it. You know, so there's, he, he's still their, their greatest King. Uh, when when you look at uh, the history of of uh, of Israel, verse five in the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For you, uh, for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. 
and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. So there, there is none like God. And they say your faithfulness uh, also, uh, where, where it says, uh, uh, and uh, the heavens uh, will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. Uh, for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? There's none like them, like God, who is faithful. No one or, or nothing that can compare to him is what's being said here. It says, greatly to be feared, you know, held in reverence, that awe and fear of God. Uh, that's what they mean. You know, we should have that reverence of God. Uh, that, that we often, especially in the church today, uh, have, have um, taken... Uh, the the awe of the Lord and dimmed it way down where Jesus wants to be your bud. Yes, Jesus wants to know you. And he wants you to know him so intimately. He already knows us intimately, but he wants that deep relationship with us. But it, but it's a, a reverent relationship with him, right? We, we have to understand who he is. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator of all things. You know, it's not like, it's not like you're going to be like, you know, uh, just he—he's one of your buddies that you're gonna go uh, sin with, or you, buddies. It's just gonna, uh, you know, just you know, hang out and let's just uh, let's just do nothing, right? It, it's he's—he's it, he's one. You know, when you consider time with the Creator, time with Him, you know, and and understanding who He is. And when we look at the scriptures and you go, that God. That everybody was afraid of at Mount Sinai, yeah, that God, that same God. You know, when you when you think of the the what what they had to witness, you know, when uh, you know here comes the dark cloud and the thunder and the lightning and just everything's loud and everybody's afraid. There's that one, and it's the same God that would whisper. You know, that 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 small, still small voice. It's the same God, right? But but we should never uh, just think, oh, you know what? Hey, God, God's my bud. God, and and uh, he doesn't really care that I, I do this or that. You know, we're friends, you know, and I can just say sorry and those things. No, awe and fear and reverence uh, of the God that we serve and understanding how great he is and how powerful his majesty, all of those things. Think of a king, right? You know, are we going to be complacent if we're hanging out with a king? It's a king, right? Uh, somebody, I mean, consider, okay, for us, we don't have a king here, but if we're... Uh, Remove the persons and, and faces, okay? But if you spend a day like with the president, right? But so, because some people say, well, not this one or not the last one or whatever, right? But uh, I mean, just think of the, the gymnastics that happen within governments when they know the president's going to visit, right? Uh, and, and everybody's going, wow. You know, think of, just think of it's, it's a reverence for the position, right? So just consider uh, the, the, the fear and the reverence. Yes, but to, to understand how great a God he is, yet he wants to be our father. And he wants sons and daughters. He's not too big for us. He's not just an angry God that's sitting there like, ah, you're fuel for the fires of hell or anything like that. You know, that, that, that great God loves us so much. Verse 9, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You have broken Rahab, Egypt, uh, in pieces as one who was slain. You have scattered your enemies uh, with your mighty arm. 
you have, uh, sorry, uh, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world in all its fullness, you have uh, founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. So Mount Tabor, a Jezreel Valley, six miles east of Nazareth, marks a boundary between Issachar, Naphtali, and Nebulun. Uh, if you want to look that up, it's Joshua 19. You can see how those all laid out. Uh, Mount Hermon, or a sacred mountain, the northeastern border of Israel, bordering Syria and Lebanon. It's the highest mountain in ancient Israel. Uh, the three distinct peaks. So these were very well known amongst them as they're writing these things. So where it says Tabor and Hermon, uh, you could you could insert Mount Tabor, Mount Mount Hermon there. Uh, but it says uh, you rule the raging of the sea. Uh, when its waves rise, you still them. We saw that in Jesus Christ, right? We actually saw him rebu rebuke the wind and the waves. And all the, all the disciples are like, who is this guy? You know, and they're, they're all in awe, right? And, and we've talked about, you know, Peter going, uh, you just you want to depart from me. I'm a sinful man. But we saw wind and, and waves obeying Jesus Christ. So if this is speaking of, uh, so if, if you have people knock on the door trying to explain away who Jesus Christ is and explain to you that he's not God, you can turn right here to this psalm and say, you rule the raging sea. Uh, when its waves rise, you still them. And then you can point to what Jesus Christ did and say, because the argument is Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, oh, really? Then you can show him in Revelation where he says, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the last, the first and the last, I mean. Right? I, I mean, they, they, it's undeniable. It's it's Satan working in them that often they don't even know. I've watched videos of, of people ministering to these people, and they're, they're, they're just like totally dumbfounded, like, what am I doing here? When somebody's able to take Old Testament scriptures and say, you see how God said this, and then match it up with what Jesus said, and they come right together. And they're like, you don't, you don't see where that comes together? But when you look at words in red in Revelation and say that he that's Jesus Christ's words, He's declaring to be God. And you can go there. So when this says uh, that you rule the raging of the sea and, and uh, when its uh, waves rise, you still them. Ever been like uh, amongst some pretty wild waves? Any fishermen in here? Anybody here spent some time on the water? I haven't. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to act like I have. But I've seen some stuff on TV and I've heard stories. Uh, or, or I've been looking out there and you just see this. This, this boat just doing this, or a ship doing this. Bang! That's why I didn't join the Navy. I want nothing to do with that. I want my feet on the ground, right? Of course, I joined the Air Force, but yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it is what it is, right? But that God can speak a word and it's calm. It says, the heavens are yours, the earth is also yours. The world in all its fullness, you have founded them. When you consider the activists that are around today that, that have made earth their God, you know, and when you understand this is creation that you're making your God, right? We're, we're actually talking about that in Romans, right? We studied that a couple weeks ago, where uh, in, in the first of 17 verses of Romans are explaining that, that, that mankind has got it all messed up. 
right? I'm uh, sorry, first 32, the first chapter of Romans is, is describing that. It's where Paul's setting the stage and he's showing mankind stands guilty before the Lord and is in need of righteousness that we can't have, that we don't have. And he's pointing, he's building the argument to show that Jesus is the answer for salvation. But man, what will people worship? You ever seen the, the sticker, dirt, dirt worshiping tree hugger? Yeah, dirt, dirt worshiping tree hugger. Really? You're worshiping the same 17 elements that you're made up of? Right? That's what we do. That's the foolishness that's described in Romans 1. You know, that God gave them over to a debased mind because they were rejecting the Lord. And then what do we do? Start worshiping dirt. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want much to do with dirt. You know, I sweep it out off the ground. You know, I don't want it. But yesterday, my brother and I were uh, changing out tires on Jen's car. And I'm like, this thing, okay, I've got to put this, this tire that was on here uh, in the back of uh, Jen's, uh, Jen's pilot now. And it's all covered in dirt. I'm wiping the dirt off. Right? I'm not worshiping the dirt. Like, oh, this is awesome. You know, trying to eat it. I don't know. You guys have dirt in your mouth? You ever been there? Right? You eat clams? Right? Right? You get one that's just full of the grit and everything? You know, you feel that? Earth worshiping? I don't get it. Anyways, where were we? Uh, verse 13. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. That right hand always referencing strength and honor. Verse 14, righteousness and justice are found are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. You know, consider what the, the first, uh, when, you, when you consider man's thrones and kingdoms, you know, they're often built on the shoulders of somebody else, right? The work of somebody else. Uh, or, or with the tax, uh, taxes of somebody else. And then you think of, you know, the majesty of, of God. Uh, and, you know, when you, when you look at this, this is, you know, God, the creator of the universe, what is his throne built on? Righteousness and justice. That's, that's what it's, the foundation of his throne. Righteousness and justice. Mercy and truth go before your face. Mercy and, mercy and truth. If you put those two things together, they don't naturally come together. Right in our world, in our world, mercy. Uh, when we consider if we're desiring mercy, it's because we did something wrong. Right? We want mercy. Yeah, I knew. I knew for me when I did something stupid and I was going to come home and get disciplined, I wanted mercy. But I knew the truth was pointing to the fact that I needed discipline. Right. So those two things, God unites those two with grace. Right. When, when, when we can look at what God does, where, where those two things come together in God's economy very well, mercy and truth. But when we consider us, what we are, are looking at, what we uh, desire from God, uh, and when we look at the truth of what we deserve, then we're begging for mercy, right? And, and so we understand that when those two come together in God's eyes, that's where hope is. Mercy saves us. You know that, you know the the truth. Uh, we we may look at the truth and go, man, I don't like that truth, but it's true. <laughs> the truth is glorious, and um, the mercy does save us. <clears throat> Verse sixteen. In your name, they rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness, they are exalted. 
For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to the Lord and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Now back up to verse 15, it says, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, right? So if you put that together uh, with uh, 16 and 17 here, and we understand uh, you know, when we're walking with the Lord, that that song that's, you know, there, there's just a song, right? We may not be always be singing it, but the song that's in our heart, the joy that's in our heart, uh, the, and the people know the joyful sound. We know the awful sounds, right? We know the sounds that aren't joyful. We know the mourning. We know the suffering that, that, that uh, you know, many of us uh, know them all too well. And going, oh man, the sufferings, those, those sounds of of us uh, realizing who we are and what we've done uh, to our lives and what our sin meant uh, and and how our sin affected other people. Man, was I a selfish little punk, you know? And I can look back and go, how did my sin, you know, wrongfully uh, just just uh, affect others and and make things you know hard on them? Why would I want to do that? Right, But when we know and we're standing in Christ and we know him, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, uh, they walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long. So for us, that the name of Jesus Christ is our joy, right? We hear the name of Jesus. We can consider before Christ, we hear the name of Jesus and it probably freaked us out, right? Either, okay, somebody's crazy over there. Or, man, don't speak that name because I know there's accountability that comes along with that, right? But in Jesus, in your righteousness, they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. And in your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord and our King, <clears throat> to the Holy One of Israel. You know, there, there's rejoicing in mercy, true, uh, truth and righteousness that's found in God by those that love him. Uh, he is our, uh, you know, the glory of our strength. We triumph and find favor um, in God. We find protection in him. Uh, these are the blessings that we find in walking with the Lord. Now, remember, uh, this is a, a psalm uh, remembering the covenant with David, right? And then it's going to shift to the sorrows that, uh, that uh, when they realize that they've lost uh, the blessings, Verse 19, then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have given help to uh, to one who is mighty. I have exalted uh, one chosen uh, from the people. I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Remember, Samuel went and anointed David uh, with my hand. Uh, uh, sorry, with whom my hand shall be established. Also, my arm shall be strengthen him the enemy shall not outwit him nor the son of wickedness afflict him i will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him uh david had a lot of serious foes you can look at, at goliath as goliath standing there blaspheming the name of god david comes up and he's like all right you know they're like hey if you're gonna go out there you need to put some armor on he tries to put the armor on you like this doesn't even fit right and so David goes with a slingshot and, and, st and smooth stones and goes up against this mighty warrior that nobody else wants a piece of. And what happens to him? He throws a rock through that sling and indents his forehead. You know, and Goliath falls. David takes off his head and, uh, and uh, Philistines are all, you know, freaked out at that point, right? You know, think of that. 
I will beat down his foes before his face. Think of Saul, right? Saul made himself a, a foe of David. David's like kind of sitting there at dinner and he doesn't even know when a spear might come his way and stick him to the wall. You know, and then he's being pursued and David's running. And uh, as David's running, he's, he's just like trying to survive. Even when he had enough people to fight back and he had opportunities, two opportunities to kill Saul, right? One in the cave and one as he's sleeping, right? <clears throat> yeah, he had those opportunities and he didn't. God took care of it all. David understood. He, nope, this is the Lord's anointed right now. He was the king until you know God established David. Think of Absalom. Absalom's got everybody. Everybody's starting to turn on David and start chasing him. He's got his remnant again. David's on the run again. You know, God took care of him. Got his hair caught in the and the branches, right? Stabbed through with uh, with a uh, with a spear, right? Think of the nations and rulers. God beat them down before His face because He was the chosen and anointed one. Understand that God will take care of the things that we're facing in our lives the same. You know, when we trust in Him, that that He's going to take care of whatever it is. When we stand and we know. Wait a minute, this is, I didn't do this, just like David didn't do it. You can go to the Lord and say, God, I, you know where I stand with this. Would you please defend me in this? He's going to defend us. We're going to see the victory from him. Now remember, Israel demanded a king, and uh, God's like, why do you want a king? Why do you want a king? He's just going to, we were talking about it right after uh, church today. Because all he's going to want, he's going to want your sons and daughters as servants. You're going to have to pay taxes. He's going to want your animals to do the work and all these things. You got everything good. You got God as your king. No, nope, we want one just like everybody else. So they get one and they're like, yeah, this is the guy. He's head and shoulders above everybody. Handsome guy, tribe of Benjamin. They get King Saul. Things didn't work out well for him. His heart departed from the Lord and the Lord sent Samuel where he said uh, the one that he had anointed. Verse 24, by my faithfulness and my, uh, and my mercy... Uh, but my uh, faithfulness uh, and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. Also, I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He shall <clears throat> cry to me. You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever. And my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. So when David heard what God was uh, going to do through his descendants, he was more than honored. So if you if you uh, remember 2 Samuel 7, I referenced it before, but when David heard what God was going to do in David's life and in, in uh, his descendants coming after him, David's response, 2 Samuel 7, uh, verse 18 says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Who am I? That's the proper response. Of all this promise that God had made for David, David's response to this was, Who am I? He's the king, right? Usually kings would have a head this big. David understood who the Lord was. And he knew who he was. And he's going, wait a minute. You're God and I'm this guy. Who am I? And he goes to the Lord with it. And I love that we have his words there because we can learn a lot from that. 
You know, we can really learn a lot from the humility that David uh, displayed there in 2 Samuel 7. Who am I? Now, this takes a sad turn right here, verse 30. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statues and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod. I don't want that. And their, their iniquity with stripes. I don't want that either. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break. My covenant I will not. This was a covenant. We will break covenants. Right, we think of think of what somebody you think of covenants, right? Uh, anybody who's married has a ring on your on your finger, right? This is a symbol. There's no end to it, right? It's it's it it symbolizes a lifelong uh, agreement, covenant that is made. Why then do fifty percent of marriages end, right? This isn't like a horseshoe, right? Like hey, things are good, things got really bad, it's over, right? It doesn't do that. This is a ring. It symbolizes something that continues, right? God doesn't break his covenant. God's covenant would be the circle. Man's covenant is probably like a straight line. You know, just start here and fall off the other end, right? That's our faithfulness. We understand God's faithfulness. He doesn't break his covenant. And he says here, you know, like I said earlier, when you consider all the things that happened in Chronicles, you know, and, and just just look at the summary of these people and their kingdoms. You know, they either did right what was right in the sight of the Lord, or they did evil in the sight of the Lord, right? And we talked about Hezekiah and Josiah and how God used them mightily, right? But verse thirty three says, "Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break." nor alter the word that has gone out from my lips. God doesn't change. He doesn't change what he says. He says what he means, and he means what he says. Verse 35, once I have sworn uh, by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. That's pretty poetic. I like that. You know, the sun, the moon, and, and the faithful witness in the sky. You know, God said all these things. We know, as we just talked about, the hearts of David's descendants, unfortunately, departed from the Lord. And then one would come along, he's good. And then there'd be another few that were bad. And then one would come along and they'd be good. It's so much so that when, when Hezekiah and, and Josiah were, were reestablishing worship, they'd go all the way back and they'd look and go, this is what David said. This is what we're going to do. Right? They're establishing, they're going all the way back to David's kingdom because they're like, hey, remember this covenant that God made? We need to go back to that. Because we want the blessings of the Lord. We don't want the cursings. God's, God's the one that, that keeps his covenant. We're the ones that, that muddy everything up. God's word's 100% reliable. 100%. <clears throat> I remember in football and wrestling practice. I want 110%. I'm like, if I'm giving you everything, I don't know how to give you more. Like, 100%. So if I'm not giving you everything, I might be like 95%. But 100%. God is 100% reliable. There's nothing that God says or does that needs to be questioned. His faithfulness can never be questioned. 
You know, we should not question a word that God has to say. And what did God do? He talked about this, this uh, throne, that there would always be someone sitting on it, and we understand that the son of David, Jesus Christ, is sitting on the throne right now. That's, uh, that's powerful, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that Jesus Christ is that, that one that would sit on the throne. Reigns on David's throne even today. Here's where it takes a sad turn. I know it's, it already took one sad turn. Now it's taking an even, uh, even uh, sadder one. And, and like I said, there's some short-sightedness here as you're reading. Just realize that. But you have cast off and, uh, cast off and abhorred. You have uh, been furious with your anointed. You have renounced the covenant of your servant. That's not correct. Uh, you have profound his crown. Uh, profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Not correct either. You have broken down all his hedges. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by the way plunder him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword and have not sustained him in battle. You have made his glory cease and cast his throne down to the ground. When has God ever done that when someone's been obedient? Never, right? So all these things that are being said here, verse 45. The days of his youth you have shortened. You have covered him with shame. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created all the children of men? What man can live and not uh, see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Lord, where are your former loving kindnesses, which you swore to David in your truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, <clears throat> How I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the uh, the many peoples, which uh, with which you uh, with which sorry your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed, <clears throat> reaping what they've sown. You know the promise of David still remained, but because of their sin and rebellion, the blessings were lost. They were experiencing this because of their own rebellion. The Lord doesn't, doesn't punish those who are standing uh, in, in righteousness and, and following after him with all their hearts. That's not what the promises of, of God say, right? You know, love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'm going to punish you for it, right? It doesn't come along with that, right? The punishment, the, the, the correction of the Lord comes when we are disobedient. Consider... We, we even looked at this this morning, Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, this psalmist is writing this and the answer is in their own repentance. You know, they, they, there, there's a, uh, you guys, you guys know the difference, um, between, and now I'm going to lose the word, Sunday night. I shouldn't do this to myself. I have to have everything written down. There's a reason I have things written down, right? But there's regret 
and then there's um, remorse, right? Remorse is like, I, I'm wrong, I did this, and I'm very sorry. Regret is, I did this, and I don't like the consequences. Those are two different things, right? But even with, with, with remorse, uh, you know, Israel stood, uh, and Judah would uh, stand guilty before God because of their own unfaithfulness. Here, the psalmist is talking about the faithfulness uh, and loving kindnesses of the Lord. Where are your former loving kindnesses? Lord, would you please restore the crying out, right? We have to understand that as Galatians 6, 8 tells us, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If we're sowing to the flesh, we can expect to reap corruption, right? If we're sowing to the Spirit, we're going to reap eternal life. But we can't sow. I, I, I remember uh, our a brother years ago sharing, and he said, you can't sow carrots and expect peas, right? You can't do that, right? Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap, right? Sowing, whatever you're going to plant, right? Whatever you planted, and that's this is all the result of their own sin. Oh. I would much rather take the blessings of the Lord that were mentioned, you know, uh, all throughout the scriptures, his loving kindness, his grace, his goodness, his mercy, his love. Uh, you know, I, I want those things. I don't want this list. I don't want to be in that part where we're crying out, God, where are you? Right. Verse 52 says, blessed be the God, uh, the God forevermore. I'm uh, sorry. Blessed be the God. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. It is Sunday night, brothers and sisters. It all comes back to the Lord being worthy of praise. Psalm 90. <clears throat> we'll see here, and uh, your, your Bible may say, the eternity of God and man's fra uh, fra fragility. Oh, my goodness. Frailty. Guys, this is we were talking about this after what were we saying? You know, the words. I'm gonna struggle with words today. And yes, yeah, I did this morning and more so this evening. You know, uh, this this actually might have been written after what happened in Numbers 13 and 14 by uh, Moses uh, when he heard that those who were 20 and above were going to die off and that they would wander for 40 years in the wilderness. It might have been. Verse 1 A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place <coughs> in all generations before the mountains uh, were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. So this is a somber thing that, <coughs> that is being written here. You know, uh, Moses had witnessed a lot in his life. There were great victories. There were <clears throat> failures. He would see groups of people dying at one time. Or he'd hear the, the uh, pronouncing of a judgment that was coming. Uh, you know, a punishment that was coming for disobedience. So <clears throat> when it says here, you turn man to destruction and say, return, <clears throat> uh, O children of men. There, you know, there's that that sorrow of heart that's uh, being displayed here. Verse four. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. 
When God exists outside of time, space, and matter, he sees everything. A thousand years can be as a day, right? A thousand years is a day, a day is a thousand years, right? So when the psalmist is writing this, when, when Moses is writing this, he understands that God is eternal, that he sees and that he knows. <clears throat> when we consider uh, that God is eternal and that man is frail, uh, a verse such as 1 John 2, verse 17, um, will be a sobering reminder to us. It says, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That will get us thinking more on eternity, on the eternal, right? Rather than uh, the frailty of man, which we're going to see being described as grass, right? That it would, it would grow up and then burn, right? But when we understand who we are and who we serve uh, and who we are in God's eyes, then our mindset's going to be right. Verse 5, you carry them away like a flood. They are like a sheep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You know, if we consider how fragile we are, uh, and, it, it, and really, when we, when we look at it, um, and we understand... Um, how, how fragile and, and frail we are, uh, it puts things in a proper perspective. You know, when, like we said, like I was just saying here, in the morning the grass grows up and in the evening it, it's cut down and withers, right? So as soon as you, you cut grass, it immediately starts going from green into like brown and crumbling up and, and, and falling away here. It's important for us to understand how frail we are. James 1 verses 9 uh, through 11 say, let the lowly brother uh, glory in his exaltation, but let the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower is uh, of the field, uh, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat uh, that it then it withers with uh, sorry withers the grass, its flowers flower falls and its beauty a beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Consider that, that the rich man is considered to be like a flower or a blade of grass. That's it. You can, you can have these great pursuits. They mean nothing. You're not going to stick around. They're going to be gone. But we understand the eternal God, right? We're like grass, but we're also precious in God's sight. You know, the little blades of grass, right? <laughs> we, we're precious in his sight. Scriptures tell us to walk with him, trust him, obey him. Much better than the alternative, isn't it? When Jesus tells us regarding, you know, what, what we may worry about in this life, you know, when we're considering this grass that's being uh, described here, Matthew 6, verses 28 through 30 say, So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? To understand who we are in God's eyes. Yes, we are temporary. 
Yes, we're only here for but a moment. But look at how precious we are in God's sight. If we lose sight of that, we get to the mindset of, you know, God, we're consumed up by your anger and your wrath. We're terrified in it. But when we understand, yes, if we look at our lives and, and we understand how frail we are, that you could compare us to grass. It's green. Everything's going great. It doesn't last long, and then eventually it's gone. When we consider how frail we are, and then we consider how much God loves us. God, we're, we're, what Jesus is saying here is that these flowers, you know, they, the, the lilies of the field, they don't toil. They don't spin. They're not, they're not making their own things. But yet the, the arraignment that they have on, the clothing that they have on, they look better than, than Solomon in all his glory. Remember, you know, the riches of Solomon, people were coming from everywhere trying to, you know, the queen of Ethiopia coming up and saying, what is this I hear of that, you know, this, this wonderful kingdom, all those things, it meant nothing. Even that doesn't compare to how God will clothe a lily that's here today and gone tomorrow. <clears throat> all about who God is. Verse eight: You shall set our iniquity. Uh, you shall you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our year years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years. It is, uh, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only in labor. Uh, is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away, right? Um, the days of our lives, not the show, right? Uh, the days of our lives are 70 years. 70, okay. There are people that live longer than that, right? But, and it even says that. And if by reason, by strength, they're 80, right? You know, my, my dad's 80. And uh, and I'm watching him with, with the struggles that he has, you know, uh, um, he, he's dealing with uh, arthritis, uh, psoriatic arthritis. And all of a sudden, boom, his thumb's two, three times what it was. You know, and all these things. I don't mean this to, you know, my dad would be, my dad shares this with anybody he's having a conversation with, so he'd be okay with this. But I'm watching at 80 years old. I'm, I'm 36 years younger than my father, 30 years younger than my mom, you know, and at I know the stuff that I've dealt with, right? I've, as I pounded out, you know, on my body, uh, my first 44 years, and I'm looking back at my kids and I'm going, man, you know, they're doing all those things and, and they don't have the joint pain. They don't have all those things, right? We understand that as we get older, our bodies deteriorate, but we can look forward to our new bodies in heaven, right? You know, we, we get reminded, the older we are, we get reminded of, oh, I, maybe I can't do that. <laughs> Try to roll out of bed. Like, how many times? How many times am I going to hear crack, 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 crack? Right? There are times where, like, my knee, my ankle, all these things. I don't even have ankle problems, but I, you know, they're all cracking. Right? It's it, it's we're reminded that that these bodies weren't designed. Uh, you know, they're they're breaking down. They're they're breaking down. We're dealing with things. So 70, 80 years. Yet they're both. Is only labor and sorrow, <laughs> right? Oh, man, let me show you. I can't even move my fingers anymore from everything I did in my laboring, right? Or whatever it is, for it is soon cut off. And we fly away. Flying away sounds nice when, when you get to that point, right? 
get to the point of, man, my body is all messed up. I remember he listened to Chuck Smith ta- teaching, and he's like, I can't wait. At the end of his life, he's like, I'm so ready for my glory, my glorious body that God has for me, uh, rather than, than this thing, you know. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, uh, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, when the scriptures tell us uh, to uh, redeem the time, right? I believe it's Ephesians. Redeem, redeem the time. Ephesians? Yeah, redeeming the, uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil, right? Redeeming them, making the most we can with those. Understanding uh, that that we you know our our days are numbered, right? And if we number our days and we look uh, and and we're we're mindful, uh, we're going to gain wisdom from that. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, not take life for granted. Be thankful uh, for God's grace, mercy, faithfulness, love, all those things. But don't don't take uh, you know our days for granted. Understand. Uh, where, where it says here, teach us to number our days. Teach us to, to be mindful that we are temporary. If we understand that we're temporary, then that's going to help us to understand there is an eternity that we need to focus on. What do I want that eternity to look like? Okay, well, it says there's all kinds of blessings and goodness in God's presence. I guess I'll take those, right? If we're, if we're mindful of the, of the eternal uh, this life will even be better for us as we're uh, mindful of those things. Verse uh, 13, we're not going to get through Psalm uh, 91 today. Uh, return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know, where it says here, satisfy us early with your mercy. You know, tired of sin uh, and the burden of it, you know, weighed down, no longer wanting to resist and to fight, uh, just realizing that we want God's freedom, we want His mercy, uh, you know, rejoice and be glad in Him, right? You know, uh, this is a day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in Him, right? God is our great reward. You know, look at that. Look at verse 13 and 14. We're going to read it again. Return, O Lord, how long? We have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I want to rejoice and be glad all my days. I, I want that blessing. I don't want the how long, Lord? Oh, you know, I don't want to look back at the torture and everything. I want the, the mercy that God has for us. Genesis 15.1, the Lord speaking to Moses. It says, after uh, these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Uh, sorry, to Moses. I said Abram. Um, Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That God was his reward. God was his reward. God was going to do great things in, in uh, and through Abram. We understood that so much so that his name was Abraham, father of many nations, right? But don't worry about it. I'm your great reward. God is going to reward him with other things, but ultimately the greatest reward that he ever had and the greatest reward we can ever have is our relationship with our creator. That's the greatest reward. That is the best thing we can experience in this life is a relationship with the Lord. I want that. I'll take that. You know, we can we can set our eyes on temporary things. You guys ever uh, been caught up in that? And I think m- most of us were, if we're honest, right? 
How many of us wanted the trophy or the or the medal when we were kids? I gotta have a trophy, right? I was in karate. I got first place once. I was all excited. I don't know. I even know where. I mean, there's probably like two kids there, and I was one of them. I beat up on some little kid, or I don't know, you know. But I I, I was so excited, and I, and I had all these these trophies. I wasn't very good at karate. Uh, I think I was okay, you know. I think if I would, I, I'll say this. I was okay for the level I was at, and I think if I would have stuck with it. Uh, then I, I would have, uh, you know, been better and I would have been able to, uh, you know, even have more trophies. I don't even know where those trophies are anymore, right? Those were the coolest thing. I remember getting it. Of course, it's in the 80s, right? Karate Kid days. So they're like, you know, the trophy is this big and I'm walking out of there like this, right? Probably like an eighth place trophy, <laughs> you know, well, whatever it was, right? But like I said, I actually had first, second, third places and stuff like that. So I did okay. But, but man, how temporary those are, right? They're gone. I don't know how many times you've gone to it. This is always funny. Why do people sell those at a yard sale? Why do you sell a trophy at a yard sale? No idea, right? You're the one who earned the trophy. That's yours. If it's not yours, then it's nobody's, right? I mean, you could hand it off to a kid or something like that and give it to somebody. But, like, some dude that's just going to buy it and be like, yeah, look at all my trophies here, you know, Rex Quando or whatever, you know? You know, they make up story like, why Why do you want somebody else's bowling trophies? I don't know, right? It, guys, if those, if our temporary things, the temporary things like trophies that are going to fall apart, they're going to get lost, mom's going to throw them away, whatever they are, uh, those things are gone. But the, the permanent, the blessings of the Lord, that God himself would be our reward, right? That, that we would, that would be uh, everything that we, uh, we could have. I remember uh, even militarily, Man, when you're in basic training, you want to earn every ribbon you can, right? And and you're getting – because some of the ribbons actually came from a medal, right? Right? So you might you might get, um, uh, you know, a NATO medal, okay? Everybody who was serving at a certain time got the NATO medal because it was the NATO medal and it encompassed these things. But if you get a medal for, like, uh, an achievement medal, meaning that you achieve something good or a commendation medal, or usually at the end of your career you'll get, like, a meritorious service medal. Those are things that you work toward, right? But I remember like when the focus was, you know, it's especially when you're young and you're in basic training, like I want everything I get so I can look like Rambo, you know, or something like that. You've got this thing all the way up to here and everything. When you retire, nobody's like, got some medals? <laughs> Except for like little kids that are obsessed with them, right? But it's just one of those things. Yes, they're good. Yes, you should strive. Yes, you know, <coughs> they should bring out the best in what we're doing here. But that glory fades when you walk out of the the, the you know presentation room, right? You get you presented with a medal. He's like, "Hey, congratulations! Where are we going to lunch?" Right? Like, it, 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 I don't want to I don't want to devalue what they are, especially military medals. They're they're prestigious. They're good. You know, it's a good thing. But I'm just saying, like, it's a piece of metal, and to most people, it doesn't mean a thing, right? If that's my focus, rather than a relationship with God. If I'm going to compromise relationship with God, let's finish this out. Verse 15, make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We want the beauty of uh, the Lord our God to be upon us. 
and upon our children. We want uh, His glory to 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 minister and His beauty uh, to be on our lives. Right? That's a beautiful thing when people can look at our families and, and see the Lord. Uh, like there's something different about that family, right? What, what is it? You know, your kids aren't lighting things on fire and you're you know doing any of these things. You go, no, we're following the Lord. Let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. We want to be established in him. That solid ground, another psalm, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You know, when, when, we, when our focus is just to glorify God and his beauty with our lives, and, and people, what's, what's so different about you? Well, I'm standing on a different foundation. I've got a different foundation. It's a beautiful foundation. It's a foundation of the Lord. On Christ, I stand. You know, it might get some eye rolls, right? Talk to Shane and Sarah, and, and uh, they spent many years uh, ministering to people and, uh, and uh, had conversations even with Mark, you know, trying to share Christ in certain, certain groups. And as soon as you bring Christ up, everybody's like, oh, here we go again, right? That's a beautiful thing, guys. It is. It's a beautiful thing, right? Because what I mean, it's sad for them, but we can understand. Wait a minute. The prophets shared God with people, and they they experienced persecution. Those, those forms of persecution, right? And just like the you know the first century church, you know, when you think of the apostles, I mean, they're getting all beat up, and they're like, yes, they they were all excited because they were counted worthy to suffer for His name. Right, that beautiful name of the Lord that we bear. You know, we can have that joy in bearing his name. It may not always be the easiest thing to do in public or whatever, but man, you know what? I want the Lord to establish uh, you know, what I'm doing. I want him to be the foundation. You know, as long as we're standing on Christ, we don't have to worry about anything else. But I love that. And let the beauty of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You establish what you want in our in us, Lord, and help us to go about your work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you give us your word and that we can, uh, as we're going through and we're reading these psalms, we see your faithfulness being a theme through all of them. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you are faithful to us. That your word doesn't turn back as, as we've you know, read in these psalms today. You're not going to turn back on your word. Help us to trust you. And, and Lord, honor the covenant that we make with you. We see the result in these psalms that we're reading of the sorrow of, of uh, specifically in Psalm 89, the sorrow that results in, in us turning away. We don't want to experience that. We want to experience your blessings. And Lord, help us, as Psalm 90 is reminding us, to understand that you are eternal and that we are frail. We're temporal here on this earth. We're sojourners. Help us to have the mindset of somebody who's passing through this world. This is not our home. Our home is with you. Help us to focus on our home with you, that we would live these days to glorify and honor and please you. That we would, you know, count these days. That we would understand that we have few of them here. But Lord, as we follow you and as we're just seeking after you, 
that if we number our days, we can be used so mightily. Use us. Holy Spirit, work in and through us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great rest of your evening.